0: fabulous guest speakers. And we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. That's dot com slash T-U-R-B-O 24. The numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out, view all the details there, and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant Vibrant. music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Candon, and today we're talking about interleaved music teaching. beautiful teachers. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're having a fabulous week and that things are going swimmingly in your teaching life. Today, we're talking about interleaved teaching. Now, you may have heard the word interleaved or the term interleaved practice. Maybe not. I'm going to go ahead and explain each of these along the way, right? So I'm going to explain the opposite of interleaved practice, then interleaved practice, and then we're going to get to this idea of interleaved teaching so that it all makes sense for everyone and everyone can come along on the journey. So when I really understood the value of interleaved practice, it changed the whole game for me. It changed so much about how I was practicing. And honestly, it might have been something I was doing accidentally sometimes and achieving good things in my practice. But when I understood what was happening, That's when I started to make great strides in my practice efficiency and started to try and apply this to my students practice. But we'll get to how I got that to finally stick a little bit later. When it comes to music practice, there are basically three types that I'm going to focus on in this article for our purposes today. There are many different ways to practice and many different segments of practice strategies, but we're going to look at three types. Blocked, spaced, and interleaved. We're starting with blocked practice. So this is what most of us and definitely most of our students do instinctively. If you just tell someone to practice and they actually do their practice, then they will probably do blocked practice. This is basically where you practice one thing, then the next thing, then the next thing until you finish the list. It's like it's a checklist. So you do piece A for three minutes, piece B for two minutes, piece C for three minutes and you are done. Now, this really isn't a problem when we are talking about timeframes like that. Three minutes, two minutes, three minutes. When students are at the beginning of their piano journey, this isn't a big deal. Because really, they can keep their attention on that piece for those three minutes. And it's fine. It's perfectly fine for beginners. But when practice gets a little bit longer and it starts to look like scales for 10 minutes followed by piece A for 25 minutes and piece B for 30 minutes, hmm. Well, that's where we can definitely increase the efficiency by bringing in an interleaved or spaced approach. This is because when we stay on one task for a long time, we feel like we're making good progress. It feels good. That's the counterintuitive part about interleave practice. When we do block practice, we feel like we're getting somewhere. It seems like every time we play that tricky section, it gets even easier. So we bash away at it and away at it. I'm sure you've all experienced this. Yes, (laughs) until we have it. But the problem with this is that we don't have it for the long term. When we come back to that the next day, we have lost a lot of that progress. If block practice isn't ideal, especially further along in a music journey, then how about space practice? This is the idea of basically letting our brains forget a little bit before clawing back that information and bringing it back to the front of our heads. The forgetting curve, if you want to look that up or look up the blog post that goes along with this episode to see it, is a good way to visualize this. But here's how I explain it to my students. Maybe this will help you too. Basically what I say is something like, When you're practicing something, you're holding it in your working memory, right there in the front of your brain. And I point to the front of my forehead. What we want to do is convince our brains that this needs to be stored deep in the brain's library in the hippocampus or the long term memory. The brain can't storm everything in the hippocampus. So after we stop practicing something, it hops on a train from our working memory towards the back of our head where our long term memory is. Don't come at me. You know, this isn't neuroscience, Okay, It's just a visualization tool that helps. I tell my students that the train gets faster and faster as it heads towards the back of our brains and then it exits completely at some point. So our job is to call it back into the working memory before it reaches that exit. But we have to let it get on the train and then call it back. If we do that enough times, our brains will think it's easier to just go ahead and store it properly using the hippocampus. So I know this is just a little bit silly and sort of quasi-scientific, but I think it does help explain it to students and it helps me to visualize it, honestly. It makes it make more sense to me. So this is where we bring in this idea of space practice. We need to keep retrieving the knowledge after it has gotten aboard the forgetting train, as we'll call it and we can't keep it in our working memory forever. So we have to let it get on that train in order to call it back and start this process of convincing our minds that it should be stored properly in the filing cabinet in the hippocampus. Now, some trains move faster than others. So if I'm doing something like memorizing a new section of a piece brand new to me, I need to take only short breaks because that train is pretty fast. It zooms towards the back of my head and then recall it again. Some things that you've been working on for a while, longer breaks may be more ideal because the train moves a little bit slower along its path towards the forgetting exit at the back of your head. So space practice is really what I was doing in my own practice in my late teens around then without realizing that was what I was doing or that it had a name. I just had too much going on. I had way too many commitments like swimming and dancing and school drama I was in plays I I forget all the things I did because there were too many so I would grab just a few minutes of practice time here and there like literally a few minutes in the morning when I was boiling the kettle in between bits of homework it was all sorts of little pockets of time but my practice actually was pretty efficient like what I achieved in that time when I wasn't really practicing enough during the school year is you know pretty good so spacing out my practice in that way that's basically what i was doing that's why it was so efficient because when i went to the piano i was just focused on that thing i got as far as i could then i came back and had to really work hard on it again for a few minutes etc repeat 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 so for some of our students this can be really beneficial this kind of spaced practice for others what works better is interleaved practice so the idea of interleaved practice And space practice is really quite similar, actually, which is why I started there. With interleaved practice, all you're doing is putting other things you have to practice in between to create the space in your practice. So interleaved practice would look something maybe like this. Scales for two minutes, piece A for five minutes, scales for another two minutes, piece B for five minutes, back to piece A for eight minutes, scales for three minutes, piece B for seven minutes. I'm not talking about actually timing these. I'm just giving you an idea of how it might work out. Now, we have two great resources for students to understand this and follow through with this in the Vibrant Music Teaching Library. We have something called lasagna and Layers, because I like to think of this as a practice lasagna, and Parfait Practice again building on that layer idea. So those are great tools for making this more concrete for your students. Another tool that you may have seen very exciting is that we have our new practice app and interleaved practice is actually one of the modes in our practice app. So we have four modes in the practice app. We have interleaved, blocked for the students that are just more comfortable or on those days when you just want to follow a checklist. That's not wrong. It's just not the most efficient. Then we have the Pomodoro, which is really putting breaks into our practice, but they're actual breaks in a sort of Pomodoro method or a pseudo Pomodoro method. And then we have focused for when you just want to work on one assignment and really dive deep on it with breaks built in as well. So you can find out more about our practice app at vividpractice.com. V-I-V-I-D practice.com. Now, when it comes to this idea of interleave practice, I have made it more accessible to students through our games that we have in the library, our practice resources and our app. But I'm a really, really firm believer. This is why it was in my first book that I ever wrote. <laughs> the piano practice Physicians handbook it was all about doing practice strategies in our lessons with students if we're expecting them to do them at home. Most of the time our students do a maybe slightly diluted imitation of what we do in the lesson for their practice at home. That's just reality. So that's where I started interleaving my teaching. And this is just the same as interleaved practice. We're coming back to things throughout the lesson. We're finding a way to go from one thing to another and back to the first thing. So it means we need to stop trying with things before a student gets it sometimes. I'm not saying you should do every lesson like this, but it's a great strategy to start to build into your teaching. So let's say you have Jemima playing a piece called Bear Picnic and she's having trouble with the final section where the right hand crosses over the left hand. I've just made this piece up. If this exists, I'll be amazed. You can let me know. You break it down together and you practice the movement without playing the notes and then you ask her to try it again and it's better, but it's just not quite in time. So you ask her to play it again and again and again and now we've reached that peak where it starts getting worse. And then Jemima's getting frustrated. I'm sure you recognize this scenario. So in interleave music teaching, what I would do is cut that before we reach even what we think might be the best. We're trying a few repetitions of it and we sort of make some headway, but then we cut to something else and cut back to it. And it's a lot less frustrating. It can feel choppy and odd, especially for you at first, but it is more efficient and you'll actually find you get further with a lot of things doing them this way. Now, getting started with interleave teaching is not easy, but getting started with interleave practice is not easy. So you can't just expect your students to do interleave practice at home because you told them about it. That's a rare student who will go ahead and do that on their own. I've worked in my own teaching and coach other teachers here at Colorful Keys as they develop this skill. It is tough to get used to. The biggest barrier is usually teacher time management. If you're not on the ball, if you are not thinking ahead to the next task while you're doing the current task, you will never return to Bear Picnic. You will never actually cycle back to things because you'll get so into one thing. Time will run away from you and suddenly the lesson's over and you didn't interleave anything. I believe interleaves teaching is a tool that is worth developing. It's a skill that's worth having in your skill set. So to make it easier on yourself especially if this sounds a bit daunting to you to get started with, just interleave one thing. That's the best way to get started. You just pick one thing. So one thing you want to come back to again and again. I think the simplest option often to get started with, with a student is a scale that they're just not getting, for example. So let's say B-flat, our old friend B-flat. Anyone else (laughs) Longtime enemy with B-flat? Okay, so let's say they're not getting B-flat and the fingering just isn't sinking in. Well, just do B flat in between every other item in the lesson. And you can do that with sections of pieces. You can do it with anything you can think of that the student needs to repeat, but that you don't want to do ad nauseam in a row. Start with that. Do that for a few weeks, a few months, a year, and then you'll start to get the hang of how to interleave things even if it's just one thing, and you might be able to build up from there into full interleave practice where you can keep these kind of multiple threads open in your mind and keep returning to them throughout the lesson. Now, a quick little bonus tip before you go. If you are finding it really tough to fit in the time for this, or you struggle with lesson time management in general, a lot of lesson time gets eaten up with book management. By this I mean when a student has to pull out their book and turn to the right page. I call this the student shuffle a lot of the time. And it does take a long time. And I think in a one-on-one or small group lesson, it's unnecessary time wasting. I prefer to just organize my students' books for them. Now, if a student's a bit older and they have good executive functioning skills, I'll let them do it. That's fine. But I, for me... I think those skills are better developed outside the lesson and I prefer to, you know, just manage their bag with their books and take out the right things, put things in their folders for them, all that stuff. I just manage it while they're doing other things and I do think it saves a startling amount of time. If you are looking for more time-saving tips for your lessons, we have a great course called Lesson Time Liberators with lots of tips like that to help you Find pockets of time in your lessons if you're feeling really strapped for minutes. So, I would love to hear from you. Do you do interleaved practice in your own practice or in your teaching or do you use space practice? Do you disagree with me about all of this? Let me know what you think. You can come find us on Instagram, we're at Colorful Keys, or leave a comment underneath the blog post that goes along with this episode over on the Colorful Keys blog. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and worthy to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today.